You're listening to the Start Today podcast. I'm Eric. And I'm Mike. And today we had on special guests, Casey and Katie from the Inland Empire Bluebells. We did. And one other person, your other friend. <sighs> Just so You're so right. I know. Chelsea. From, from also the Bluebells. From the Bluebells, Inland Empire Bluebells, and Operation Juice Box. Yeah, she was kind of like a special person, guest person, though, without a microphone. So She didn't have a mic. Yeah, so she was here, but... You and know. that's actually my fault. Yeah, but people will hear her in in the show. Yeah, absolutely. But so, we so what are the Bluebells? So the Bluebells are an organization of almost I don't know if you would call them like fraternal or so, what's I was going to say I was going to say you wouldn't say fraternal no, since it's you all say, women. Um, Soratorial is that the right <laughs> word? Sorority? I don't know. It's it's. I just made up a word off of sorority. A sisterhood. Yeah. Is what they say. I'm going to look up soratorial. That's probably not a word, though. That sounds like a big word. <laughs> That's totally not this. But <laughs> but they're a sisterhood of support for uh, wives for, and female officers. For female officers and wives of police officers. Yeah, and families, like yeah. people directly related it's to a, them. It's a community of females in the Leo world. That's right. I learned what the Leo world was from our, our, uh, from our blue line grappling yeah jujitsu uh podcast so now i know but anyway yeah they uh they support women in the law enforcement officer community yeah and they help them when uh they get in tight spots they help them with you know if someone's someone's out of work and you know they got hurt and they're out of work and they need help with food or if somebody got hurt mowing their lawn like i'm about to go do he's about <laughs> to go get hurt mowing his lawn. yeah and uh and and, <laughs> and they're you know they're hurt off duty so their benefits like get jacked up and they don't get paid let's say because they can't go back to work after a certain time uh they yeah. the their medical extends yeah. past what the yeah will give them. the bluebell step up and help people like that so they do a lot of cool stuff to help people in need which yeah is, which is pretty awesome and refer them out, you know, do their best to get them out to um, to see therapists, to get psychological help if they're struggling, PTSD, other, other things related to that. Yeah, they, they have a nice support system for people. So, um, And they also have a nice, like, beyond support, but, like, you know, financial food support also um, and community support. So, yeah, great. I think that's awesome. And... I think that's how, you know, that's kind of almost like a stereotype, right? Like be, I think they, someone even brought it up, like be the change that you, you want to be. Yeah, that's right. Somebody did say that. Yeah. And I, I think that was Katie and you, that is how change happens. It's a grassroots level change. That's how worlds change, right? Is you see a need and you fill it. Yeah. And that's what you do. And that's what they're doing. So that's cool. So, um, I hope, uh, people like this episode. Yeah. And we had a great time. So enjoy all right welcome back to another episode of the start today podcast we have special guests from the inland empire bluebells we have casey castillo please say hello good morning and we have Katie Mendonza. Hello. And we have been referred to them. We're very happy you're here. Chelsea, Miss Parham, Parham, 
in London, if, if you're English. Hello. If you remember the <laughs> Operation Juice Box episode, she has been throwing us fantastic ideas and fantastic guests, which we are forever grateful for. And so Chelsea is also part of this organization, a second nonprofit where you find the time, I have no idea. So that's really cool. And ladies, we'd like to um, officially thank you for coming here. Yeah, thanks for being here. Thank you for having us. Thank you. So the Bluebells, Inland Empire, Bluebells, what is it exactly that you guys do? We are a sisterhood of support for the Thin Blue Line. So what that means to us is um, a group of females who got together and said, you know, we don't have a wives behind the badge necessarily out here in the IE, but we wanted to be more inclusive than wives. So we wanted to have female law enforcement, moms, sisters, friends, business supporters who kind of get together and raise funds for adversely affected law enforcement. Okay. So I, I don't think I've ever heard of the other organization that you're referring to. So do you have a similar, it's a similar scope, just expanded. So basically. wives behind the badge are just that um, wives of police officers. They're a big group and the Southern California region goes seven counties yeah. And that is a lot. <laughs> That's a lot to kind of get together and do fundraisers. And that is kind of almost for us unmanageable in terms of making sure that we make a difference. So we decided to kind of narrow it in scope, but not too small because obviously Riverside and San Bernardino counties work really well together. And so we wanted to have our own little corner of California where we could help out. Yeah. Yeah. So who, who initiated, who's like the creator, whose brainchild is this? So there's, <laughs> there's since they're pointing at me, um, there's actually about six of us who kind of on a Facebook thread just said, hey, who, who's interested in starting a group of females who can be helpful? And then we decided we probably needed to be legit and start a 501c3. Yeah. So we did that. And so myself and... Katie was one of the originals. We just kind of decided to get this going, and it's taken off, and we're really grateful for that. Yeah, that that's really great. So what was the initial, like, push? Like, was there a circumstance or something that had come up in your personal or professional life that pushed the necessity of what you were trying to do, or you just thought, like, no, this is a need in general? Um. Not really. I am the wife of a police detective um, at their at his specific police department. There isn't a wives group. There is a sheriff's group for Riverside County and San Bernardino County, but they are specific to wives. So if I wanted to join those because I'm not a wife of a sheriff, I wouldn't have been able to join. So we decided oh, to I start see. our own group. Yeah, yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. You feel the need as it arises. It seems like when you talk about helping um, wives of police officers, can you talk about like the specific kind of help um, that you provide or like the specific maybe like network of support that exists for police officers wives? So we have a vice president of community outreach who is not here today, but she's one of the original founders. And what we do is we have almost liaisons at every Inland Empire agency 
And if we find out that there is a police officer or a deputy sheriff or a corrections officer or a dispatcher or someone who works in one of those departments who needs help, um, we've given gift cards for groceries. We've given gas cards. We've given checks. Um, at Katie's department, maybe you want to talk about one of the no donations we made to an officer there. Yeah, we had a... Uh an officer who ended up having just a medical issue and they couldn't de determine whether it was going to be an on-duty or an off-duty issue. And if it's an off-duty, then our department doesn't cover it. So he ended up going through several surgeries and basically it got to the point where he was off for so long, he no longer had health care coverage for him and his child. And it came to the point of how is he going to support himself? How is he going to be able to cover these surgeries yeah. and everything else going on? So we, as the Bells, came together and said, how can we help? Well, his main need was that he needed medical insurance. So we raised money and we were able to provide one month of uh, medical care for him and his child, which is huge in the aspect when he's not getting a paycheck, he's not getting anything. Yeah. So the need was directed and that's our goal. Mm -hmm. Every every need is going to be different with an officer or a family. Mm -hmm. So that's our goal to actually meet that need. Yeah. Wow. That's rough. Like, you know, you, we all do things, you know, every day that are probably like limited in risk, but you know, if you get hurt off the job, like, and you can't yeah. work, I mean, I, I, that's some, a similar type of thing happened to me in October where I was off the whole month and luckily I had enough sick time and vacation time that it easily covered that, but I bruised a rib and it took the whole month and I still kind of feel like the, re the, the after effects of that. So I can only imagine, say, if I cracked a rib, right, if I broke a rib, I would be out for months and that's with employment. So that was something I was kind of confused, like, oh, you guys are state employees, like maybe similar to me, you probably have good insurance and all this, but I didn't think about, oh, it, once you get past a certain amount of time off, like there's still a business, right? They still have to make like the decision to put you on a rehire or like well, whatever. I mean, is. especially like being a police officer is a physical job. Like, I mean, I sit at a desk most of the day um, and that's not very physical. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I mean, it's just not. I, I read books um, and work with students and I don't have to run after people. Um, we were talking with a friend of ours earlier today who is also in training to be a police officer. And he was, you know, he was training for I don't, one of the running tests in the academy. And and we were talking about like, yeah, you know, when you're a police officer, you have to run after people. <laughs> like that's a legitimate part yeah. of your job <laughs> is jumping out of a car and running after someone. <laughs> right. And so, you know, like you, you have to be in a certain shape to do that. And if you you know, bust your ankle playing tennis with your kid or something, or, you know, playing basketball with your, with your son, <laughs> like you right. can't run after someone, you can't drive a car, you can't, you're, you know, it's hard to work. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully you didn't say this already, but what year was it that you started all of this? November of 2015. Yes. Oh, that's, so what is that? Like two and a half years in? Three and a half. Yeah, about yeah. three years. I don't know how to do math. <laughs> but um, so how many how many cases or how how much is this like an ongoing thing? Are you guys constantly just getting new requests, new requests? We're constantly getting new members. We're over a hundred members now. 
And um, I would say on average, we get about a request a month. And if we don't have a request, we also find people. So oh, okay. um, maybe because we have a request for funds form on our website. So someone can fill it out. It comes to the board. And then we look at our bylaws and make sure that it's in our parameters for our giving. And but if we don't find someone or it comes to our attention, hey, maybe maybe these people don't want to ask. Um, we just take it upon ourselves to help. Yeah. Do you, what is that like? Why wouldn't someone want to ask? I think a lot of it has to do with pride. Okay. There's a lot of officers that will never admit, hey, I need help. I can't do this on my own. And right. one of the things that we've always stressed is it's okay to not be okay and it's okay to reach out. It's not a bad thing. Uh, I know I myself have been on the receiving end of help from the Bluebells and that was a tremendous thing, but I don't think I ever would have asked for it. It was, hey, you're taking this. Someone <laughs> noticed the need and kind of pushed you into the, like, look, you need to swallow it, swallow your pride and accept it. Uh, absolutely. I had gone through a uh, surgery for cancer and it was at the point where I couldn't prepare meals for my son and I, and that's what the Bluebells did. They came up and got a meal service for myself and my son. So we didn't starve and got to stay healthy. And it was definitely a tremendous, uh, I guess, uh, weight off of my shoulders that I had to try and figure out. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. So like you, you help anyone that's involved but what what is the sisterhood aspect like? Where where does that come in? Was that just the the initial thought? Like we're going to support the wives and females that are in the job, and then it's branched out, or? Um, I think <laughs> I don't actually know where that came from, but that's really a big part about who we are. Um, you know, it's not just the family members, but the law enforcement practitioners themselves we're very blessed that we have active sheriffs and officers and dispatchers on our board um, because they offer a perspective that I don't know that just wives or moms or sisters would have right so we want to make sure that we're supporting them and to be honest this group of girls um, are phenomenal there's a lot of goers and doers and because of that, we almost have a fundraiser every month. It gets overwhelming <laughs> because there's so many people with great ideas. And we've been able to partnership with a lot of different police agencies. Um, we have a fundraiser coming up in February with the San Bernardino Police Officers Association through their foundation. And this will be our third annual gala where we... Gala. Gala. Where we <laughs> raise money and then it split between the Bells and the Police Officers um, Association Foundation. That's cool that they're willing they're willing to do that. Oh, th they like us because we work hard. We're with the worker bees. Yeah, so yeah. And we have outreach. They're specific to a police department, but we're able to bring in um, attendees from different agencies, and so we have outreach, and it's nice. Yeah, yeah. We know a little bit about fundraising. Like, we do it, like, as a as a parish and it gets for sure overwhelming. And how often do we do it? Like once, twice, twice a year, a year probably. Yeah. No, putting on fundraising events is hard work. Yeah. It's hard work. We, uh, we just try not to kill each other when we do it. <laughs> Dude, that's seriously the truth. That's serious. You know, if we remain friends at the end, we're, we did a good job. Yeah. <laughs> 
that I guess that would be the the brotherhood and sisterhood right there. Yeah, <laughs> we're we're united and not killing each other. <laughs> Seriously. When you guys, so with the 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 fundraiser coming up, for instance, or any of the fundraisers, are they usually open to the like the surrounding community? Is it specifically for certain people? Um, the fundraiser in San Bernardino, like the Gala, could anyone go? Anyone can go. Um, in fact, the committee solicits sponsorships from businesses and community members, and um, it is open to the public. It's just, you know, a fundraiser for that specific group or groups, the Bells and the um, San Bernardino police officers. But we've done um, other fundraisers. One of my favorite fundraisers that we just did was one that was Katie's brainchild, and that was Cups for Pups. Do you want to talk about that? That was awesome. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> not only do we do the fundraising for officers or families in need, but we also like to reach out and partner with other agencies like we did with San Bernardino. But this time we partnered with a uh, Riverside Police Department, their canine unit. Uh, mm. Basically, there was a lot of issues where uh, they had to fund their own training and that type of stuff. And so we got the community involved in that. And I mean, when we got the community involved, we got, you know, local local uh, businesses and mm. we had Operation Juice Box there and we had K-Frog there, the, you know, the country radio station. Yeah. We, we partnered with a Wicks Brewery and we ended up doing a whole bunch of different things Riverside based and invited the entire community out there to come watch canine demos, to come try, you know, Wicks new beer, to come learn about Operation Juice Box and enjoy some good country music. So we mm -hmm. had a tremendous outpour of community support. Everybody wanted to see the dogs. Everybody wanted to learn more because mm. how many times do you get to be up close and personal to see a police dog actually do a demonstration. Yeah, you not know? very often. No. <laughs> we also had our explosive detection dog, uh, Shadow, walking around giving kisses. Shadow had his own little kissing booth, so it was a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> it was a dollar to get, you know, a kiss and a photo or, you know, a high four from Shadow. And the kids loved it. So uh -huh. it was a tremendous outpour. And then that opened a lot of doors to a lot of other agencies saying, hey, we, we want our dogs to be loved on too. So yeah. now we've just got a lot of different other ideas that we can do with other, other departments different areas that's super cool yeah that's i like that <laughs> and it's and it's good to get that community because especially right now like it's probably for sure not a secret for for you ladies that not everyone's on board with the police so i think especially like with with operation juice box and what you guys are doing hopefully it's contributing to like Look, we got things going on too. We're, Positive we're at, interactions between yeah. like the community and law enforcement, right? And and I think it's cool, especially what stands out is you're just people that this is your calling, and this is your this is your gig, or you know whatever you want to call it. But you have to deal with cancer like everyone else. You have to deal with children like everyone. Else. You have to deal with debt like everyone else, or whatever the case is. And that's quickly like removed when people just see you working you're not a person anymore you're you're a government agent right or your representation of the Absolutely. government or whatever yes. and i don't think it's not i don't think it's fair regardless you know so i think it's cool that and if it was i don't know I, i'm sure there's like a brotherhood of police out there but that's probably more alarming than disarming to people to think of that right so i think it's cool that that you're doing this and hopefully it's you know contributing to the 
to the positive light that law enforcement has. I mean, I think that's true. There is something that's interesting to think about, something like disarming about a group of women starting an organization that supports law enforcement and putting events out there, right? And I don't know what, like, I mean, we could get into, like, deep psychology on why, like, that's true. (laughs) We don't really need to. But, like, there is something, like, engaging about women doing something, you know, like, like, I don't know, like... I don't, maybe it's like like a mother father complex, like you know you don't feel like threatened by your mom, right? Like, yeah. Even though like my like <laughs> like my mom was the one who spanked me. I mean, I me, definitely don't right? feel threatened by my mom like I at was, all. Like so. I was spanked by my mom way more than by my dad because my dad was at work all the time. So like if I was <laughs> if I was in trouble at home, my mom was gonna get the spoon and like uh, that's how that's I was gonna get spanked. Thing? Yeah. A spoon is a real thing. Dude, you didn't have a spoon? No. My mom had a paddle ball. So it was like, you know, with the <laughs> string on it. And like, you just take the string and the ball off and it was in the drawer. And like, if the drawer opened, you were screwed. Like you knew it. You were, <laughs> you would just run in your room and cry because you knew what was coming. Like you knew you were in trouble. Did it ever get passed on? I, I, I come from divorced parents. So my dad was a Marine. So the times I had to be disciplined by my mom. I, I'm, I don't remember at what age I just didn't really care anymore. You know, you just, as a boy, you're, you're not really worried about it. You know, you just kind of let her handle her business. And sure. You're like, okay, I got, I took my whooping and now I'm gonna watch TV again or whatever. But, um, my dad has a very scary voice, like a very, like he very rarely like spanked us almost never. I think I can think of like three times in my whole life, which was uncommon for a lot of the kids in our neighborhood because they were all like Marine Corps barats, you know? (laughs) And I have a feeling like many of them were getting whooped constantly, just constantly, you know what I mean? So I feel fortunate in that, but I never really dealt with it with my mom. I'm just saying, my mom spanked me more than my dad, but like there's something like about like, um, like the nurturing mother that like just exists, I think, in like your like subconscious and like you just feel like Women putting on an event, like, especially in, I don't know if that's, like, we live in a weird time. I don't know that it's tenuous, but, like, there's definitely, like, a social consciousness about, like, the public and police officers where, like, you know, a group of ladies coming together to work with an agency to put on an event and there's, like, there's beer and there's dog shows and, like, it just, it feels very, like, disarming and engaging. I think it's cool. Yeah. Absolutely. Dog shows. That's funny. <laughs> Reminds me of that Christopher Guest movie. Did you guys ever see that? Best in show? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's a completely ridiculous movie, but you have to see well, it. That's why it's funny. funny. Yeah. It's ridiculous. So when you when you do your, your events and you get the turnout, are you walking around and like talking actively like with the people or is it more like, oh, this is an event where, how, how does that work? Like if someone wanted to be part of this or contribute to it? So for example, today um, at RCC is a women in law enforcement flag football tournament. The RSO Renegades, is that right? The Riverside Renegades yeah. versus the San Bernardino Spartans. And they're raising money for law enforcement, and the Bluebells have a booth there. We're, yeah, we're not there, but our oh, crew so is someone there. Else, yeah, yeah. And um, <laughs> yeah, they've been there since eight thirty or something. Yes. And 
so we get a lot of community interaction that way. People come up to the booth and say, oh, you're, you know, selling little dogs um, or you're selling shirts or hats. What is the Bluebells? Can I be a Bluebell? How do I become a Bluebell? Yeah. And we'll sign them up there or we'll refer them to our website because to be a Bluebell, you do pay dues because we want people to be vested. Sure. Um, but yeah, anyone can join as long as you're a female. <laughs> <laughs> but we do have supporters um, on our website. If you go to a, a supporters, we have a bunch of like police chiefs and, and what have you, businesses that are not female, but we basically have them as auxiliary to the bells. Um, and we, you know, have a newsletter that goes out and broadcast what we're doing and what we're looking for in terms of community involvement. Yeah. I, I think of, you know, people who are the real go-getters They're They have these goals of like, I want to be the president or I'm going to do this. But I think this, it's the grassroots stuff that really takes care of the community. And one organization can't hit every need of every community even locally, right? Like there might be, you know, like I, I was bringing up something before about, well, there's homeless families, homeless this, drug addicted people here, like all these things. Not everyone can do everything. So I think if you just carve your own path, eventually all the needs will will at least hopefully be attempted to get met. So that's cool that you guys have like your niche and you are actively like for sure positively contributing to what's going on like for the better health of the community and police officers are part of the community too. Right. So absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) they most certainly are. I think, yeah, uh, it is, it's really hard to meet everyone's needs. Um, but I think, well, especially like, it's nice to see, like, I don't know what I'm trying to say. It makes sense in my head. Um, it's nice to see, like, a, in a, like an organization come together to support, like, the needs of, of like, officers' wives. It just, like, like the fam- like families are just such a bedrock of society, right? And, like, we live in a world that's so individualistic now and constantly telling everyone to do what they want to do and, like, and like it just with no common yeah. necessarily no common goal or yeah common just value. and so like just people get overlooked and and you know like and it makes it I don't know I I just I could say so much and I don't want to say it's all just feels like a rabbit trail but like it's just nice to see it's nice to see like like that like the family structure being supported like there are like people like there are wives at home whose husbands go to work every day and like those people are risking their lives there's like a an actual question mark on like what yeah people i mean people are risking their lives and like that is like you know um and and it's easy to forget everything else right like it's easy to forget everything that's happening at home and so it's nice to see like that come together right and i think it's not just the ladies that are at home because a lot of our ladies are actually out there working their buns off each day too yeah protecting and serving like our our lady katie yeah. Yeah. Getting it handled. Handling business out there. For sure. And being a mom. Yeah. Yeah. Which and is all president of our nonprofit. And being well, yeah. She is the president. She is the president. Oh president day. <laughs> <laughs> how do you say it? Um femininely. Is it presidente still? I don't know. I don't Just know. It's a Spanish. different language. Oh, I, know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how that works. 
<laughs> but yeah, I could see like on a practical to the, so like I said, I was raised in a military house and oftentimes the men or women, it, it's either go for long periods of deployment, right? Like a year at a time, you know, or, or whatever their orders are. And what do you do for the families that are left behind? And it could be the man or the woman, you know? But when I was a kid, my dad was the one that left. So what happened with my brother and sister? We have different moms. So the mom had them. But what about that year? You know, like that was something that at least in that time, it wasn't emphasized enough that there should be groups for the wives to get together. And so you can deal with the separation or deal with the stress. That happened to be actual just lengthy separations, but the stress is still there. The potential for, you know, a breakdown of the family is still there if people aren't communicating or getting on the same page. So I don't know. I I just think that's very valuable. Yeah. Very valuable. Do you guys do you guys have a thing where you're on like a I don't know, like what did what do we use? Like well, we use Google Docs. Never mind, that's not the same thing. But you know, like a instant messenger or something where you're just like <clears throat> Today's not a good day. I just need to reach out, just get it off my chest. Is it is it that kind of thing too with each other? I think that uh, I, I, our board members, we have this, you know, app that we always use and we're always in contact and it's always, you know, somebody read something or somebody heard something that happened with one of the agencies. Hey, do we have a, you know, a outreach person associated with that department? If we don't, and it's kind of funny, but we seriously actively stalk somebody from that police department <laughs> to get them involved in bluebells. And that's just one of the things. So that way we do have a niche. We do have an in in every department, hopefully. And for the ones that we don't, we are still working on all of those. But we are at the point where we are so kind of open and transparent with each other that if one of us isn't okay, then we can absolutely reach out. And I've done that before. I've been, hey, you know, such and such, this is going on at work. And you mind if I talk to somebody? Because my main thing, especially now being president, is I want to let everybody know on all sides of law enforcement, it's okay to not be okay. And and how can I uh, portray that if I don't say that, speak up and say, hey, I'm not okay right now. I need something. I need someone. And usually just knowing to know that we're not alone in the things that we do between dispatchers, uh, you know, officers, wives, husbands, kids, we all go through the same thing just at different points. So mm-hmm. one, one point in time we need to know it's, yeah. it's okay to talk about it. Yeah. Is, do you have a, like a, a platform to speak to other agencies about that and sort of communicate that message to them? Uh, we have we have been fortunate enough to have uh, some platforms with different, uh, where we do reach out to different uh, agencies, like uh, we do have the gala that coming up, so that's, uh-huh. that's a platform for San Bernardino. Uh-huh. Um, I was fortunate enough last year to uh, travel to Denver, uh, basically show uh, the movie Fallen, and that was about, you know, a uh, line of deaths in, uh, on duty. And uh-huh. one of the main things, and I know I keep saying it over and over again, but it's okay to not be okay. It's the hard enough thing to reach out. So that's one thing that we have to just keep reiterating and make it an option just to make everybody feel comfortable about it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, it's funny. Cause I think that, I mean, I see, I see like, as we're talking, um, why that would be especially difficult with law enforcement officers. All right. Cause, um, we talked a little bit earlier about, you know, like, like well, there one there's pride, which you don't have to be a law enforcement to suffer and struggle <laughs> with pride. That <laughs> is a fact, right? Um, like so many of us. So, um, but but there's also the job. Whereas you don't, you know, 
you don't want to seem like you're not okay for maybe psychologically. Uh, maybe, you know, you, you, you want to like seem okay so that you're doing your job well and you're perceived that you're doing your job well. Um, and, and like, I just, it, it's a message that I think everyone needs to hear, not just law enforcement officers. Like so, so many of us, like we all need help. <laughs> we're, all, we're all struggling with something. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it's just small little things. There was a time last year when, and Chelsea could probably speak about this more where, um, a, a station in Riverside, um, for the Riverside Sheriff's Department saw something pretty bad and sad. And we sent them pizza. Just not any big deal, but just something to let them know that we were thinking of them on a bad day. It yeah. was it was a super tragic morning where a little kid was murdered and you know, it hit the station hard. And so we we did. We just reached out and sent him stuff. And actually, I did speak with one, the uh, primary deputy on that call recently within the last month. And he was so grateful that, you know, even getting a card from us and, the, you know, we sent him a card telling him what we were thinking about him. And he said that meant so much that people he didn't even know were thinking of him and reaching out to him. So I thought that was great, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for you and I, like... We don't have to see stuff like that every day, right? No. Or even like... Not directly. I mean, not really. Maybe the repercussions, right? Because we deal in education. We, so maybe we see like the far end of it. Yeah, but, but I'm yeah, just saying like, you don't events, have to no. see that. And like you don't... I, I, think, I think a lot of times you just don't think about what people have to deal with in certain lines of work every day um, or could have to deal with every day. Um like the word I, I, I deal with kids who are messed up and you know, they've uh, anything from mom and dad are divorced and I'm living out of my car. Um, so you guys have homeless students. Every university has homeless students. Is that um, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter how expensive or prestigious it is. Um, yeah. Yeah. If you don't, if a university tells you that I'm homeless students are just lying to themselves um, or lying to prospective perspective students yeah, right or yeah parents. especially with government money and education um but you know we i i see i meet kids who've gone through a lot but i'm not walking in on someone who got murdered like that's yeah. crazy i i I, whew, I could not handle that i think yeah i think if the public actually really knew what officers and deputies see on a day-to-day basis it would change their whole mindset of what they think of what we do as a profession. I mean, there's most days, you know, I can talk to my son about anything that's going on, you know, Oh, Hey, I did this. So I, I saw this today, Yeah. but there's these some calls where what went on in my head and what went on in my heart. I cannot go over that with my son and people that are not on the job will not understand it. And so that's why officers themselves tend to, I guess you'd say circle the wagons Mm -hmm. and not talk about it because if we talk about it to somebody and say, hey, I experienced this, this, and this, and it's got me all tore up inside, or I, I, I watched this kid take his last breath, and I can't get that out of my head. 
and we talk about that to somebody who works a normal nine to five job and they don't understand it and they look at us like we're crazy like just get over it, it just, it's yeah. done it's over you know what's wrong with you and then we get that stuck in our head and it becomes a stigma of there is something wrong with us maybe maybe we're not meant to do this job because we can't handle it and that's not the truth uh, I saw yeah. some uh, uh, articles just last week about how uh, suicides in law enforcement and they are so underreported but if you mm. I, I don't know I there's a lot of people groups that are trying to fight to get these actual numbers reported statistically so that way we can have some numbers and pull them apart and say hey this amount of officers each year kill themselves whether it's going to be in the line of duty you know right after they get off shift or at home and it's all be based on their need was not met and whether that's a department issue or community issue but it has to start somewhere and so i think our hopes with uh, the bluebells is that we can coordinate with some of these groups the, the, this elephant in the room has to be talked about we can't hide it any longer we can't circle the wagons around it this is a problem it's an epidemic and i do believe it's something that we need to address so if you know we can start reaching out to these other groups and maybe bond together we can get something started yeah yeah and it I, I see like how, you know, you have administrators within departments, you have people that have to deal with the public directly, like you have to deal with the public directly. But I mean, like, whether it's positive or negative, like I work for a school district. So the people that run the district do their best to cleanse what's happening, because maybe they want recruit, not recruitment like that. I guess that would be under your guys's umbrella, right? But you want transfer students or you don't want um what is it attrition when people just they're, they're taking their kids to other schools yeah and it seems like with the data especially related to baby crime education these types of things it seems to me that it would, it's all underreported like there's no way all the stats are being met or everything is being reported for different reasons or maybe they're not publishing it because they want the best recruits. So they don't want to put out the image that it's so bad in this department. Like, does that, does that make sense? Like, would, would that be, or do you think it's just impossible to keep up because no one's talking? I think on crime stats, it would be nearly impossible to have a 100% true reporting factor. And that's mainly because there's some communities where they don't call the police. They deal with it on their own. Or there's mm. some places where they're afraid to call the police. Or there's just some people that just think, well, it, it's, it's not big enough. It doesn't matter, so I won't. Yeah, yeah. And with police officers specifically, there's a stigma about mental health and needing help because... If you do have an issue with potentially going out on stress leave, the department will have to unarm you and put you off work. And so reaching out and letting people know that you might need help could impact your job and cause you to lose your job. And I mean, we, we understand why that would be, but then sure. that's a big choice you have to make is get help or lose your job. Yeah. So is, is that an actual policy? Like, give me your gun. Yeah. Like you're off work, you, and huh? That's that's interesting because I I just thought you're always on the job kind of a thing. No, it comes to a point where you can actually be deemed unfit for duty, which means you lose your police officer powers. You have to hand over your gun and your badge until, you know, some uh, psychologist decides that you are mentally okay to do this job. And so yeah. I think there's these stigmas that if you do reach out, that 
the fear in the back of your mind is that someone's going to say, hey, that guy or that girl is not able to do this job. And that's a big fear because none of us ever want to be unarmed for that very reason. So, yeah. But on the, on the other side of it is we need to make it to be, I don't know, I guess a safe place where they can reach out before it gets to be that bad because the last thing we want to deal with is somebody committing suicide and how come we didn't see this? Why didn't we reach out? Why didn't somebody do this? And then all of a sudden they're like, he did reach out, but you guys told him he was, wasn't fit for duty. Because your, your policy prevented him from or her from getting what they need. Absolutely. Just, you know, it, it, it's a big fear. Nobody wants to face that. Do you think if, like, suicide and mental health stats were reported consistently and correctly that it would impact policies to get officers help? I think it would, but the policies themselves would have to change to be, if they reached out, there would be, you know, no retribution on this of if it didn't reach this point, then you're not going to be taken off the job. Uh There there does have to be a threshold, but right now there isn't. It's just that if you reach out of, okay, Uh chances are this is what's going to happen. And that's the big fear. And that's why people don't reach out. And then we end up looking at everything retrospect, trying to figure out what the heck happened. Sounds like you need a lawyer to like work on policy change. (laughs) Well, it's not just one department. It's, you know, agencies across the country that are dealing with this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you were to read these, these headlines, I I know there's some pages that I, that I follow on Instagram that talk about this and I think it's called the code nine project. And all they do is report on officer uh, law enforcement related suicides. And if you saw these statistics, it's just eerie, you know? Mm. Yeah. That's so crazy. The she didn't say that in the microphone. No, so why don't I know. you repeat it. So, so Chelsea <laughs> Chelsea was saying like the um can't hold on. More more police Okay. Which the she said more police officers committed suicide than were killed in the line of duty. Yeah, last year. And there's yeah. I believe already been 10 suicide this year, 2019. Oh, gosh. Yeah, we're not even through the first month here. So, right. Like, unfortunately, yeah. it's going to keep rising. So, something has to be done. Yeah, yeah. I mean, suicide is sort of one of those things that's taking America by storm. I think it, suicides are up 30% uh, in the last, I want to say, like in the last 10 years. And um, we, had, we had a student commit suicide this week um, at the university. And yeah, it, it from was, the university. Yeah, from not at, but yeah. from. Uh, but it was. It, it is awful. But yeah, we're seeing. We're seeing. I know some of the information that I'm privy to. Um, we're seeing suicide threats through the roof. We had more suicide threats in September and October of this academic year than we had all of the previous academic year. Um, and a lot of times, you know, people don't take it seriously. Parents, which, you know, because as a university, we contact parents, parents, you know, oh, the girl just wants attention. That's what the mom said that. So like, it's just, it's one of those things where I think like culturally we have to change the way we handle oh, for all sure. this stuff. I, I agree too. And I think that as this, it's me, Chelsea, um, as <laughs> <the> bells, <laughs> um, that's what we've all been talking about a lot this January. And so we are work, like, looking at and reaching out to different resources for all of us to become a little bit more educated with mental health um, just because it is something that all of us want to be 
better at and able to reach out and help others with um, if they have the need. Kind of, we, we want to kind of be a one-stop shop, I would say, for law enforcement in the Inland Empire um, with information that we can provide. And if we don't have the answers, then we'll we'll find them for whoever needs it. Yeah. You know? And something really... I think I'm very proud of as a bluebell is that we have so many um, women who are involved in the bluebells who have specialties in different areas. We have dispatchers, we have therapists, we have um, medical professionals, we have nurses, um, we have business owners, we have attorneys. And so um, we're kind of this great big network and not just network of professionals, but network of friends. So you can reach out and find someone who maybe can answer your question and is an automatic friend for you and understands what you're going through, either because they are law enforcement themselves or they're a family of law enforcement. And so it's almost like an, an automatic kinship that has um, the ability to maybe get you answers and resources quicker. Yeah. And it, I was, I think I was saying before, I was interviewing a, a paramedic supervisor uh, this week, someone that me and Mike both know. Wait, and he's a paramedic supervisor? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Huh. He has a master's degree too. Did you know that? No. I didn't know that either. <laughs> I found that out. He he's a he's a guy that that um that we go to church with. He's an awesome guy. But he was saying like when he how he deals with these things was like the the mental health stuff is like he has that community, right? He has like his wife, his kids his church people, not everyone goes to church or believes or whatever, but he, that happens to be his, but for people that don't have anything or maybe that they, you know, if you're, you can't confide in a, in a 12 year old, right. Or a 13 year old, like it just seems so valuable. And I, I don't know. Yeah. Community, no, no. Community is super important. And I think that, I mean, it sounds like, you know, the organization, the bells organization is like, a nice, a really nice network, like a nice community for, for people to connect and, and be able to say like, I went through some crazy stuff or I know someone who's going through some crazy stuff or whatever. Right. I think, yeah. Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, it is. Like it's a community and people need community. Like a legit community. Yeah. Not superficial because like, you're right. If policy is stopping you from going through official channels, you have to have channels. Absolutely. You just have to have channels somewhere. And if you don't, I, I don't know where the, the idea that men and, um, yeah, I would say men because I don't know what it's like to be a woman. But where, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. And I was raised in a, in a, in a Marine Corps. I mean, I, I was literally around alphas all day. And, you know, I never understood where this lack of communication from men came from. I never understood where that was like a thing. And I, and I've said it before, like maybe my dad never encouraged cause he was a single dad. You know, I was with my mom at one point and then my dad at another point, he never encouraged communication cause he wasn't going to do that. But it was never like, what are you doing? Like why, why the only thing he would say is, man, son, you got your mom's emotions, don't you? Like, and I never thought that was a problem. Like, I never thought I was less of a man for any of that. And talk to anyone. I don't care if you're a cop, a therapist, 
you know, my co-host or whatever, if I'm having problems, you, you're going to know about it. And I just, I don't understand where that came from. And I think that needs to be a drastic switch, like quickly, quickly. Absolutely. Um, I think, you know, we're, we're talking about there has to be that change. There has to be that change. Um, I think the catalyst of that is, you know, all of us here, every single bell, every single person that's, you know, somehow related to law enforcement has to be that change, you know, be the change you want to see. Okay. Right. Um, it, it gets to the point where in law enforcement, we go from one high intense call, you know, and two minutes later, once that's done, we still have to go to the next high intense call. And it got to a point where a couple of weeks ago, I'm on a call and we're dealing with a barricaded subject for two and a half hours. And one of my partners ended up coming up to the other side of my car. And it got to this point where, you know, are, are we going to make this out alive because this person is armed and dangerous? Okay. And yeah. My partner leans over to me and she says, hey, if something happens to me, I need you to be the one to tell my husband and my daughter. And it kind of hit me. And I'm like, oh, wow. She, Ooh, that's said, heavy. I said, oh, whatever you need. And she goes, it has to be you. And I was like, okay. And then we clear that call. And 30 seconds later, of course, there's another call we got to go to. Yeah. Another thing where somebody else is having their worst day that they've ever had. But we didn't have a chance to debrief from that. And so I made it a point later to sit down and talk with her and say, hey, you know, regarding this, yeah, <laughs> if anything yeah. were to ever happen, of course I would take care of that. But you got to take care of those emotions at the same time. And if you don't, that's where it starts to bottle up. And I think that's where the problems come. So I think if we all reached out, even if it's just a check on, hey, how you doing? You know, just like what the Bells were able to do for uh, Riverside County when they had their bad day. Just, right, right. Just reach out and touch bases. That's where it starts. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, w I was thinking of... Um, I was thinking of something and I lost it. So sorry about <laughs> sorry. that. No, I, uh, it happens. Speaking about those traumatic incidents and when people don't want to talk about things, I, you know, have been a dispatcher for 12 years now, handled a variety of calls. Um, and I do well on the radio. I, I, I try to do my best and make sure the guys are safe. Um, but we don't always hear about if we're really making an impact or an effect on the guys or the ladies, sorry, um, <laughs> guys all encompassing. Um, but anyways, it's kind of funny because recently I had, I had posted about it, but I had somebody reach out to me after an incident that they were involved in two years ago, um, a crazy shooting. And I wasn't even working that day, but he was hearing my voice as he was going through this crazy event and he even had logged on to see if, you know, where I was at so we could talk about it. And he realized I was not working. But that's just how he was coping to get through it, yeah. which I thought he was, was interesting. He was grabbing onto some familiar. Something like, familiar. Yeah. And he knew that I would handle business and make sure everything was okay and, you know, line things up and he wouldn't have to ask for stuff, which I thought was interesting. I mean, he two years that's a long time to hold something inside and he was even kind of embarrassed to even tell me about it yeah you know yeah it's very um what's the word i'm looking for when you're feeling a little what is that what is that like no what's that like, word? like he was like embarrassed like Not flush but rosy rosy <laughs> cheek word. he's like oh. word when you're feeling like uninhibited not uninhibited but like the word anyways not nervous not embarrassed but maybe those are the words it's a little different on the piggyback of that though i do want to say that my my hat is definitely off to all dispatchers 
Uh, <laughs> half of these situations, uh, we wouldn't have been able to stay as calm or to handle completely because these dispatchers, in all honesty, are the backbone that keep these things flowing through these calls. Um, yeah. It's them being calm. It's them being able to process all of the pieces of information that we give to them and still be able to keep their wits about them. So there's been a lot of times where dispatchers make or break the situation. And so anybody who says that they're not first responders, yeah. They're they're definitely wrong with that. Wrong, one. yeah. Dispatchers yeah. are first responders, <laughs> and Absolutely. we're really lucky because we have a lot of dispatchers in the bells, and our dispatcher community is growing bigger in the bells, and that's a huge component because we want to be able to have that contingency to give us their insight. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So I was thinking of the the policy issue with the being somewhat restricted, or at least legitimately concerned about whether or not you report things that you're thinking or things that you're feeling. So I, I had a, uh, I was just taking a basic class at RCC and he was saying that he thought it would be as chief of police. Cause this was the guy instructing he wanted. And I think the union blocked it, which seems like for reason, probably because of this, of these types of policies, but he wanted to have his officers psyche valved every five years. Ooh. But <laughs> wouldn't that kind of achieve the same end that you guys are talking about? And if it was policy, then you couldn't be punished for it because you're mandating these screenings. Like what, when he said that it made sense to me, but I don't do the job. I don't do the other, you know, I don't, I don't have that frame of reference. So how would that be different than what you guys are doing? I think every five years would be a little bit stressful for people. It's like uh, some departments have mandatory uh, physical fitness tests, you know. And uh -huh. y the amount of stress that's going to build up before those tests, I think, would be a lot more. And five years on that point, I think, could a lot of things could fall through the crack. What if you're, you're two and a half and something happens and, nope, I'm not up for my, for my test, so I can't go talk to somebody about this. There are those employee assistant things where you are allowed to go get, I think, eight free sessions with a mental health professional. But okay. so say you're over that eight or talking to that point, you're still afraid that if I go over that eight, they're going to tell my department that I'm not able to work. Whether you're not, in, maybe you're not in that point where you're going to, you know, do something stupid or, you know, hurt yourself. But maybe you're just past that. You need more than eight. You need more than, right. you know, X amount before they report back to your department. So I don't know. I, Practically, I, it would be rough. It, it would to be. Do that. I think there, I think there would need to be something kind of in between that, where it's not mandatory this amount of time, but it's you know something that's needed, but it wouldn't be held against you. Yeah. Well, can officers do that now? I mean, you guys have, um, you know, benefits and, and these types of thing. Like if you go to Kaiser or whoever your provider is, you can see a therapist if they know that your law enforcement or something similar, are they mandated? I, I, I would feel like if you went outside of department channels, you would have some level of patient client, like confidentiality going I, on. I think you would, but I think it also reaches to the point of any, you know, mental health professional. If you reach that point, there's a mandated reporter where they do have to do something. They do have to say something. Oh, I see. I see. And, and I think that's law enforcement or not, you know? Right, right. Absolutely. So, I don't know. I don't mean to be provocative or whatever, but would that be bad besides the obvious financial 
is that bad if a if a clinician finds that you're not deemed you know what i'm saying like if if especially if it's possibly like a lifesaver like literally a lifesaver i i don't think it's necessarily a bad thing if they deem you're not you know fit for duty because obviously if i'm not fit for duty i would rather have somebody tell me than me go to work and you know <laughs> come find out and have somebody monday morning quarterback something i did and go well why was she even working she shouldn't have been able oh, to oh yeah sure so i would rather have somebody do that but i think there's that area where Maybe there's there's that gray area where they are okay, but this person happens to seem to think because they're not in law enforcement and they don't know anything to they don't have anything to do with it. They feel I'm unfit for duty, but I know I am. Right. So I, I, I think there's a little bit of fear in that one of somebody who doesn't know our job, doesn't understand our job, saying we're not fit for it when we really are just because they're afraid of me or afraid of my thoughts or fears. Right, right. I think in saying that though, but it can't just be one therapist that says it because I've known guys that have gone in and had a stressful situation and they didn't him and the therapist maybe didn't get along so well. And the therapist is saying, well, this guy's super angry. He's, you know, totally not fit for duty. And then he's, he's like, what are you talking about? You know? And then sees two other therapists to get cleared and they're like, the guy's totally fine. So, I mean, I I don't think it should just be one person who says, that somebody's well, a that's like so. so it'd go doc- back, I mean, it's, it'd go back to policy making, having a yeah. good policy. So if someone's yeah. gonna, you know, if 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 a therapist is gonna deem someone unfit, like you would have to get a like you'd have to get a second opinion in order yeah, that to like, right? which is fine. <laughs> that sounds more plausible, right? Yeah, there. yeah. <laughs> because I know, I know if I'm fit for duty, and you know, I just like like Chelsea said, you butt heads with a certain therapist, and then you know, you got two other ones that see the real you, not just whatever you're upset about. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me when my my brother, my older brother, also went into the Marine Corps. When he got, he was part of the initial invasion of um, of Iraq in two thousand and three. I think it was late two thousand and two that they were already doing their business, uh, preparing. And when he came home, he had like pretty, I mean, from what I can imagine, pretty severe PTSD where he still deals with it, actually. He still, he like whimpers in his sleep. Like I'll, I can hear it, like if he falls asleep watching a movie or something. And his wife basically, if I remember correctly, and I've been known to not remember anything correctly, so I apologize for butchering it. But basically his wife was like, you have to get help because what is going on in your brain, I'm not going to like basically let affect our marriage and, you know, they didn't have kids yet, but, you know, and his mentality was that sim- it was kind of like a, a similar, a similar thing where he was like, what does this guy know about my life and what I've seen? This guy's like a dork sits in an office all day and like talks to me, you know what I mean? And I'll tell you what, it saved him. Trusting that dork in that office, like seriously saved him and it saved his marriage. Like, and she wasn't, she's not from this country. So she if she if she decided like uh this isn't good like she's seriously gone like split you know not saying she would have done that i'm just saying like <laughs> it it's serious when you're dealing with someone with ptsd and they're refusing just because they're like i'm used to talking to other marines or other cops yeah yeah i oh i, I don't doubt that i don't doubt that everyone deals with it in some form cuz life is hard I did. You did? Yeah. My, Do you want to share it? 
Uh, the birth of my first son, my wife had like 18 hours of basically every medical, like we were like all natural, no medical intervention. And she had every medical intervention, like literally in the book. And like, she was like passing, like his, my son's heart was stopping and she was passing out and they were trying to do an internal monitor and blood was going everywhere. And like before my daughter was born, I went to, I went and did like PTSD therapy because I had a therapy. We like my wife had postpartum depression pretty badly. So, um, I went to her therapist and talked to her and she's like, you have PTSD because I was, I couldn't sleep. I was like sweating all night thinking about like the birth of my next child, thinking they were, my wife and my daughter were going to die. And like, so she did. Gosh, that is, yeah, that's. No, she that's did. Heavy. She did like different, like different methods of like PTSD treatment with me. And like, I mean, yeah, yeah. And it, I like, it was great. Like the birth of my daughter was like, I was great in the hospital. <laughs> I was, I was in there and I was like, yeah, I was just doing, you know, I was doing what I was supposed to do and yeah. It went fine, but yeah, I, I was freaking out, like totally freaking out. So, and, so like, and yeah, everyone can like, lots of people can have different forms of PTSD. And that's PTSD coming from something that people have been doing for thousands of years, right? Like, or however many tens of yeah, thousands. Yeah, I mean, millions, well, the difference the say. difference with that is like going through all that medical intervention is one. My son probably wouldn't have been alive if he was born hundred years ago, because like uh, the cord was like triple wrapped around his neck. My wife ended the labor. Um, yeah. her, yeah, it was, there was a lot I going didn't know on. That. Yeah. There was a lot going on. She, um, yeah, her, she wasn't like, she was going into labor, but she wasn't ready to give birth. Um, like her body wasn't ready to give birth. So like, it was just, he would have died probably. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. yeah so I Total mean, side note, but so <laughs> that's someone, I mean, you're, you're living your life like in life is in general, like pretty good. But sometimes it's just But not. something crazy happens and all of a sudden you're in this situation and like yeah. your mind is trying to, your mind is like trying to process what's going on and it can't and that's that. Right, right. So I imagine like tenfold for people who actual, whose actual job is to intervene on those crazy situations in some way or another, whether they're, well, I can't even imagine what doctors and nurses, everyone, like everyone under this umbrella of dealing with other people's crap is such a hard gig. That's so crazy. I think it's kind of interesting when you think about what affects people though, because some people are affected by something that people think is nothing, you know, like, I don't know. Yeah. Somebody takes a call for a baby, not breathing and that could just shatter somebody or respond to a baby, not breathing and the person's devastated and it won't affect another person at all. It's just interesting. Right. Right. What affects a person and can just kind of really mess them up for a little bit. Yeah. But anyways, that's what we want to do with the bells. If we're all upset <laughs> right, or, or right. people in other agencies are needing help, don't be afraid to ask. The bells are a loving community. We want new bells to come and join us. So how do they do that? I was going to say that's yeah, a that perfect uh, way to ask the question. How do people get involved? They, how do people join? Let me pass it over to Miss Katie. The president. Or Casey. Yeah. One moment. <laughs> Well, they can uh, be part of our group by showing up at one of our events. If there are people that want to come to our next event, they would look it up. You know, we're on Facebook. If they want to apply online, they can go to iebluebells.org. And there is the little tab on top that says join. 
and they can reach out and figure out if they just want to donate. There's also a donation spot on there as well. Uh, we welcome anybody and everybody, all questions to come out and come talk to us. We have no issues with that. And uh, half the time you'll see us, we're not wearing uniforms. We're out there in our comfy clothes and we got our mm-hmm. smiles on our hats. We're rocking our bluebell shirts and yeah. we're just happy to speak to people. So if they ha- want to come out and come meet us and ask some more questions and by all means one or all of us will be out there yeah and is there a place where people can go to donate uh they can go online to our facebook page like i said okay. the ieblubells.org okay. there is a donation spot there uh-huh. uh they can find out more information by going to our public facebook page as well so there's questions we can reach out to anybody we can talk to them if they need to meet us somewhere hey if they want to partner with us for something you know we are more than willing and able to accept any of that. That's cool. really yeah. cool. Thank you. What do you have, Casey? The what? Oh, yeah. You have upcoming events? Is that? No, she's talking about uh, I, the holiday dinners. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, for, you know, through our donations, we're able to go purchase uh, meals for uh, stations. And we took, I don't know how many meals we took to all the different stations. Do you know, Casey? I think we did nine Christmas dinners and maybe nine Christmas Eve dinners to various police departments where the officers were stuck working on Christmas. We did it on Thanksgiving, too. This is our second year doing that. Um, And that's just kind of some of the outreach we do. But... um, a big portion of what we do is try to humanize the people who are in law enforcement. Yeah. And so um, we we try and have events where the public is not going to have a hard time approaching the police who are there and um, working. We do, we do various different events with um, police officer associations, and we just try and make it so that um, some of the people who maybe don't like the police realize that the family members of the police and the police officers who are part of our group are just normal, nice people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's one of the things is that uh, people will see us out and about. Uh, for instance, I was working a couple weeks ago, and I'm driving my unit through you know, a popular shopping area, and I see this little tiny girl, about two or three, standing up on the corner waving to me with her, with her mom. And so <laughs> I turned on my lights, I turned on my lights, and then I pulled over to go stop and talk to them because uh, Operation Juice Box has given me uh, juices to give to kids and kind of have a positive interaction with them and that's exactly what I did I pulled over and as soon as I got out of my car the mom goes oh my gosh you're a bluebell and I went what (laughs) you know (laughs) and it's funny because when I was she goes I met you at the cups for pups event oh we were there and my my daughter she bought a pup in a cup and she was so excited and all of a sudden I was like oh yeah I think I recognize her and then so I talked about the operation juice box as well and she's like oh my gosh can I can I get a picture with you so you know me and this little girl on my juice box in front of the police vehicle was you know, j- just a good thing because one, it's a positive interaction on that. But then she recognized me from a completely different event because when we go to these events, like you asked, yeah, we do interact with the public. We do get going. Uh, yeah. uh, I'm kind of famous in the Bluebells for doing uh, these fun raffle ideas and shenanigans, I guess you could call it. <laughs> but, um, and that's how people get to know me. And I'm surprised because, you know, I was wearing a tank top, shorts and boots, but <laughs> somehow she, <laughs> recognized, she recognized me in uniform and it was a great thing to be recognized as a bell out in public. So that uh-huh. was great. Yeah, that's interesting because I don't get recognized. I work with tons of people and I can be dressed like this and they, they, they have no idea who I am. It's so <laughs> strange. <laughs> so 
<laughs> but um, do you have anything else, Mr. Mike? I don't know. Do is there anything else you you guys want to share? Um, if you can, just go to our Facebook page. We do have Instagram and Twitter too, but most of our stuff gets posted on our Facebook page and okay. then our website. And if you are interested in joining the Bluebells, um, we would love to have any new female faces. All right. Or business supporters. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's the imp- that's also important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, I feel pretty good about what we did here today. I yeah. highly appreciate you guys contributing to us, and hopefully we did something to contribute to you as well. Yeah, thanks for coming by. Thanks, thanks for, for your time. having us. Yes, thank you for having us. And, oh, but you do, before we go, you do have a... February fundraiser, is that correct? Yeah, let's remind you. And, and we're going to do our best to arrange the queue of release. So we'll do our best to release. When, when this is it before. in February? It's February 23rd. It's at the oh, Mission well, we Inn. That That's happen. my birthday, I was everyone. Say, so we can make that happen. Happy birthday. Thank you. Thank it's you. It's at the Mission Inn? It is. And we Fancy. have details on our website if you're interested in attending or know someone who would be. Okay. And we're looking for silent auction items. Oh. We'll take anything. (laughs) (laughs) And it's a tax donation. We have our 501c3 tax ID number on the website. So if you do want to donate to us, even if it's something small, we'll make it into a really cool basket. And then they bid on it and the money gets split between the Bluebells and the San Bernardino Police Officers Association Foundation. We don't have stuff, but we can tell Gomez to, uh, we can encourage him to give something. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Maybe we can get a sweater. I don't know. Yeah. We can talk to him. <laughs> um, well, like I said, I appreciate what you guys are doing. Um, thank you, Chelsea, for arranging this. This has been awesome. And as things come up, feel free. We'll exchange like email. We have a Start Today podcast email, and we'll do our best to also plug things as they come up. Um, just because you're on the show once doesn't mean we can't you know, keep throwing, throwing things out there. Yeah. Especially on Instagram promoting events and stuff. Yeah. Love that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for your, uh, time listening to this show. And, um, that's it. I got nothing. Take care. Yeah.